our worship, praise, thanksgiving. These are important things that we do right now. And I'm grateful that the Lord has allowed us to see and participate in these events. You may briefly, if you want to sit down, we may, we'll go up back, stand and worship again. But I was, I remember I was a junior or sophomore, I forget what, in university when there was the Six-Day War. And I knew at that time that some prophetic major things that had been quickened in 1947-48 Israel was recognized as a nation and then in 67 the nations of Egypt and Syria and Jordan and other smaller nations around got the armies together and attacked Israel. And it looked impossible for them to be able to defeat all those enemies. And surprise, surprise, they were able to battle and have victory over each of these enemy nations. And they had chosen to attack. And then, in 1970, there was the Yom Kippur War. On, of all things, on Yom Kippur, they were attacked. And now, at this time, just as we concluded the Feast of Tabernacles, they are attacked again on Simchat Torah on October 7th. And as I've said before, one of the premier Bible scholars recognized by so many as really outstanding teacher, Brother Derek Prince, was our teacher and uh, senior pastor of the church where we served more than 19 years. Then he moved to Israel to live there, he and Ruth. And we came to Charlotte. But all the time we have been very deeply involved in blessing Israel and here as we founded the watch, we have been watching and praying and part of our foundation is praying for the peace of Jerusalem. So at this time, it is very opportune, if I would say, or it's like when the shofar 
and we blew the shofar here. And it was part of it. The king is coming. Or war is at hand. The bandits or the evil people are attacking Israel or some part of Jerusalem. And at this time, as we are all aware, uh, Israel army is in action. Reluctantly in reply to October 7th, Horrible, monstrous attacks. Israel had to, forced to reply. Not allow the evil ones to totally destroy their nation. And there are spiritual things that are in motion. Dark powers, evil powers that would destroy literally Israel and wipe out every Jewish person. So, to our consternation somewhat, we have demonstrations rising up in cities, western cities, civilized nations, where thousands demonstrate really full of destruction of Israel when they shout out from the river to the sea basically they want to oust every Jewish person from the land that God himself literally gave to Abraham and his descendants we find that in Genesis and we find scriptures which leave us in no confusion. It's very clear to us unless an evil spirit has been whispering in your ear. I will bless those who bless you. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. He who watches over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. And we can go on and on. So, as Israeli army is in action, we also, the army of the Lord Jesus, the spiritual army, men and women who have been authorized and commissioned to go into all the world, preach good news. And in my name you will cast out evil spirits. And so we have authority. Say authority. And that's word Forgive me if we have said it over and over, but it, it helps me and helps us realize, don't forget, you are the ones who have been commissioned to stand in the gap. And as you read in Second Chronicles 20, it's the praisers, the worshipers, those who have been put in a place to declare the name of the Lord, they go ahead of the physical army. And as they praise and worship the Lord, the demonic army is defeated. So, we are at such a time as this, as Book of Esther says. And so, last week, 
I was talking to Ron. Ron waved your hand. And Ron and Jill sitting up front. And uh, Bonnie <laughs> joked about Ron and said, because based on the scripture that Jesus was very plain looking, she kind of joked that maybe Ron is even better looking than Jesus. And uh, at the end, <laughs> I said, Ron, you're in big trouble. Uh, so, because some years ago, I remember her joking, and I, I and at that time, I was kind of making a humorous remark about my mother, and she was awesome, intellectual, and lecturer, and uh, she was one of the few Hindu women who had been commissioned to go and speak to big crowds, etc. And uh, many decades ago. And so, but she was a very funny person and a jokester. She would joke and she had some ironic jokes that she would make. And sometimes I would embarrass her. I would say, Mom, don't you think she would do? She would go ahead. Um, but I made a joke about her and Bonnie said, you better be careful. When she, you go to heaven, she's standing in line to spank the daylights out of you. And I said, to Ron, I said, I thought I was in trouble. You are in bigger trouble. <laughs> so, but we were laughing, and then Ron said, you know, Lord, I mean, Lord saying something, I, want, I, I believe the Lord wants us to have joy in this time. And I really felt that that was a prophetic word. For us, at this time, as the clouds started gathering, as the wicked tried to rise up again and do their wicked things, that we had to rise up like the Jehoshaphat army, like the praisers and worshippers. When Israel moved, they knew their place. To be intercessors, to be praisers and worshipers. So, I want to point you to a scripture in Nehemiah chapter 8. And we'll go to verse 8 from here. And it says in Nehemiah 8.8. And this is when they have been, they were captive. In Persia, uh, in that empire, and they had been released by their king to go ahead and restore Jerusalem. And Ezra and Nehemiah and the people made it to Jerusalem. So they gathered here, they gathered the people together. And I felt like it fitted. The time frame somewhat, in a sense, it's it's a reflection, but we get uh, some instructions from the Lord. And so it says, so they read distinctly from the book, this is the Bible, in the law of God. 
And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. So, I don't know whether it's Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi. I don't think there's a diet. <laughs> Drink the sweet. So that would be sweet without any diet, maybe. And send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. Tell your neighbor, do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So this is a specific instruction, I believe. It really speaks to us. Because over these last... Since October 7th, almost last three weeks, our focus, and it should be, so has been praying for Israel, hearing the shofar of blast of the Lord calling us to prayer and intercession, to worship, to focus on the Lord, His glory, His authority. The evil ones who did some of the most monstrous things ever heard about. And you focus in any way around it and it will make you sorrow. And sadness can sweep over you very easily. But the Lord is giving us instruction. This is not a time for sorrow and weeping. Even though you feel like it and you lament the times and seasons what you have missed during the time of captivity and the Lord himself giving us instruction and that's why I really it echoed in my heart what Ron said. This is a word for us. So we are to rejoice. We are need to, despite what's happening, we celebrate, despite what the enemy does. And so we declared also last week, if you remember, we said, as the Israeli army is activated, going to action against the most horrible, vicious enemy. And, by the way, there is something I wanted to mention because so much of the media I I want to get them all together and cast out lying demons out of them. 
because it's just if you see it in it is lies lies it's totally out of balance they give you a little bit of truth and then develop a whole philosophy that's totally demonized i believe and so um the well there is a a lot of the perspective you get is from radicalized Muslims and the radical Islamic terrorists. They have a way, their philosophy, there's one aspect of it and we have seen the example of it over and over since 1948 the birth of Israel. And it's called Takia. And some may pronounce it Tokia. But it is especially from the Islamic, extreme Islamic philosophy which believes they can totally lie to your face if it adds strength to their argument and it may be total fabrication but it is approved from their background to lie to all unbelievers or those who do not believe the way they do and they are allowed to lie so I just want to let you know that that they can say this hospital the Israelis bombed it and killed 10,000 people. Now the, the hospital couldn't even hold a thousand people. Let tell. But anyway, and you say, but there weren't any dead people in here. No? 10,000 people died. Or they were all crazy. And you say, what? And the way we have in the Western Judeo-Christian culture, we have been brought up to think of truth and try to be as truthful in our statements. But that other culture is really, it applauds the lies. And the bigger the lie, the better it is. And I just want you to understand that. And uh, I think it was yesterday that there was a so we're waiting for a big speech from Nazarallah, it was called, yeah, on Friday. And he was supposed to activate a wing of their demonic attack on Israel called Hezbollah. There's the Hamas with the terrorists, but there's a branch of it called Hezbollah. And there were, there was, he was, they were thinking they might activate that branch. But he did not. And part of the reason was that the United States had sent this uh, aircraft carrier, which is in the Mediterranean. And if they activated certain battalions or something, the American aircraft carrier was not far away. In fact, there are two 
that could be activated. So, on one end, I'm grateful that America was able to be there to be a friend of Israel. But I just wanted to summarize where we are at. And so, as we fasted on Monday, some of us were fasting. How many of you got to fast on that day? Thank you so much. Thank you. And we together were fasting and praying. That when I woke up, one of the first reports I heard was that the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, had been able to release, find one and rescue a hostage that had been a member of the IDF also. And CBN, and if I get that, I'm sorry, I had several footnotes, what I was saying. CBN has been the most honest reporting. Not CNN or BBC or others. I just want to give you my opinion. But others, though surprisingly, they did have some truths in some of these, especially CNN, had some truths. But CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network, based, I mean, I've been a guest on it. And I was asked many years ago to do address the, the big banquet. That's where it's recorded that Pat Robertson, I remember saying, uh, it happened during the the banquet that this big television cameras and all of them on me and the lights were so bright. And I said, Holy Spirit, come. And all the lights exploded at the same time. And Pat Robertson himself, I heard it. On the 700 Club said, Brother Mahesh was here. And when he prayed, our lights exploded. And we're in revival. So, is a footnote. But CBN had one of the best reports about this rescue of this hostage. And showed a few moments of her greeting her family and being able to greet her grandma. And the grandma was weeping with joy. And someone came, and it was a thing of such joy that this hostage had been rescued. And literally, I myself was swept with joy. It was hard to describe. But it reminded me and was congruent to what the Lord commanded. Don't weep. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So, it's just one hostage in this that was rescued. But for me, it's a clue. The Lord gave us, go ahead, pray, fast. And nothing is impossible with our God. Say nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. Imp- is impossible, is impossible. With, our God. with our God. And the joy of the Lord, the of the Lord 
is our strength. So, and it's a principle that I think it would be good for us to kind of home in on, is that don't focus too much at this time, and we shouldn't as a lesson in life on sorrow and sadness because it weakens us and try to debilitate you, in fact, and make you less effective to wield the sword of the Spirit and smash the powers of the enemy. We need all our strength. And the Lord tells us the joy of the Lord. Say, the joy of the Lord. Is my, is my strength. The joy of the Lord, the of the Lord. Is, our is our strength. Amen. What I think of, Pastor, is that in the three great feasts of Israel that God set their calendar, he commanded them to rejoice at that time. I mean, it's literally a command in the scripture. Um, in in. God's strategic thinking, if you will. He understands the frailty of our human frame and that he has also created and built in there a mechanism, if you will, an engine that is able to refurbish and strengthen and refire all that is good, all that is strong, and joy is is there. And the thing I would like to say is that uh, what we're talking about is one of the witnesses to the reality that we live actually in a moral universe where there is actually a transcendent God who rules over all and has created both us and the world around us and has set a way that things can be blessed, be beautiful, be in harmony, so on and so forth. But joy for us is rooted in something. It's not having to do with your circumstances. It's not clicking our heels together and saying, I do believe, I do believe, I do believe. It's rooted in hope. And that's the uniqueness of both the Judeo-Christian and specifically the Christian gospel is that it's a witness to a moral universe with a transcendent God that ultimately has a redemption narrative intended that will come to a good end. And for Christians, the reality is what we see in Jesus, the man clothed in flesh, living a a regular, if you will, poor, resisted, impugned, And joyous, family, friends, missional-driven life, but ultimately a, a political execution that was a supernatural infused with darkness execution, dead, buried, and then out of the grave. And the people who saw him gave us our New Testament. That's what the New Testament is. And I know that many years have passed, and now it seems that the centrality of the gospel message is God forgives your sins, believe in Jesus. Well, friends, I just want to tell you, in the moral equivalency that has taken over 
the general population, secular population, for instance, the, the, the neo-Marxism that we see driving all of these massive pro-Palestinian protests and all of this kind of thing, that argument about come to Jesus, he'll forgive your sins, has no, carries no weight. Has no water because there is no admission to the possibility that human beings sin or have departed from God. Self-expression, uh, individuation, individuality, opinion, all of that has been exalted. Anyway, and we won't even go there about worshiping at that idol. But our argument, our apologetic is there is a man, one of us. That God has raised from the dead. And for all who attain to him, recognize, receive a gift of believing in him, we also will be the resurrection people. And that resurrected man is the man who is sitting on the throne. And that whole jesting with Ron came from a particular event in the watch many months ago. Where suddenly my spirit eyes opened and I literally saw the Lord Jesus sitting on his throne in our midst. And it was glorious, but he was about Ron's size and I was kind of shocked. Because, you know, Richie has challenged us with this thing if we need the real Jesus. And the real Jesus in scripture is also morally clear. He is a judge. He is a judge. And for us, our scripture is the compass. It's the only way that we can always in any circumstance have true north. And many times it will point us in a direction we may not want to go in ourselves. But this is the only sure pathway. And our joy is rooted in legitimate hope that isn't clicking our heels together and saying, oh, I do believe, I do believe. But it's the reality that we who have believed and have been made alive in Christ have the ultimate, which is the resurrection and eternal life. But that needs to be embodied in our circumstance now. And so if you think about the the horrible uh, events really of of what the world is looking at now, whether it's the the shock in many traditional Americans to see how much of our nation we've lost in all these universities and all these kids who have no root in that in and of themselves. And if you if you cut a flower off from its root, that flower will look alive for a little while and then it's dead. And this is what we're looking at with this whole generation of all of these young people. Um, but we have a root. And by the way, for scripture, our root is a Jewish root. That's a good point. Our root. Say my root. My living root. According to scripture. In Romans is a Jewish root. And one of, I think, one of the sicknesses that started coming in when Christianity was made the official state idea as opposed to a radical personal conversion, and that began to erode into the Enlightenment. Um, One of the problems crossing through the Reformation 
and the influence of Luther is he became a radical anti-Semite. And so much of the Protestant theology, I'm sorry, has been cut like a flower off from its Jewish root. And I believe that it's quite possible that the eventual erosion of the church, the Gentile church, has much to do and possibly even the embrace in this current time of all of the moral equivalency where, you know, we also celebrate homosexuality, we ordain homosexuals, we promote and bless marriages. These are clear things that our Bible, somehow the God who created this world says, no, that's uh, it's not a good idea. And hello, it's a little rational because the reality is that philosophy means ultimately the end of the human species oh but wait we can develop science so we are at an existential crossroads this is not 9-11 it's not even world war ii this is different this is different and the reason it's different is because now these ideas, these antichrist ideas, have metastasized because of our technology. We've never been here before. And that's also why we need the strength of the Lord and we need to know that we know our joy is rooted in the sure and certain hope that we know the man who has defeated death. And, and the word is the word. And we are basing all our opinions and directions on the Word of God. The compass. Like I've said before, as I've quoted before, that one of our favorite scriptures, mine and Derek's, by the way, Princess, was Isaiah, all flesh is as grass, the grass Mm -hmm. withers, the flower fades, as you talked about the flower. But the Word of our God stands forever. So... We are basing all of this. You can be sure and have its insurance. I mean, it's true, true, true. We are basing our opinions and our direction on the Word of God. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love thee. All flesh is the grass, the grass withers, the flower fades. The Word of God stands forever. So over and over, the Lord gives us assurance. We are standing on the Word, and the Word gives us direction at this hour. So do not let moroseness or depression affect you. Otherwise, these, some of these, if you focus too much, that's like I warned, don't focus too much on the negative evil powers of Halloween, for example. It's, that is the fun part, you could joke and all of that. But then there is a very dark demonic. And these October 7 events, boy, talk about the most demonized demonic activities and evil, evil as we have never seen it, seldom heard of it taking place. And we have to watch our atmosphere. That's why more than ever we need to come together. More than ever we need to take communion. More than ever, you need to plead the blood of Jesus over your house. And I'll tell you, I mean, it is something we have not seen this darkness before, where we have 
thousands and thousands of people congregating in Washington, D.C., in London, England, in Los Angeles, yeah. marching and shouting things about even Hamas, which is the most evil terrorist organization. But there is a spirit. And I don't want that to come anywhere near my house, your house, this house, and over our nation. So, and, and we have to discern. And they have been saying uh, to the Israeli president and the Israelis' authority, um, let's pause. Let's have a ceasefire. Let's, and it's, it's to, they may not understand it, not all of it. Some of them are in, intertwined with some of the Islamic radicals. A lot of money is flowing in areas. So some are influenced by money, some by just uh, who do they think are winners here. And it is important for us to get guidance from the Word. We stand with Israel. And I choose the joy of the Lord. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is your strength. By the way, Joy is mentioned about 150 times in the Bible. And if you include joyous and joyful, it's 200 times the Bible instructs us to have the joy of the Lord. I think about the whole narrative of the last book that we have in our New Testament, by the way, which is called The Revelation of? Right. It's not the revelation of all the horrible things that are going to happen at the end times. It's the revelation of, yeah, the resurrected one who is reigning and ruling and coming and for us and in us and with us. That's him. But throughout that whole series of these visions and these symbols and these prophetic things, you, there is an underlying current of worship. Of rejoicing because of Jesus. And it emerges. And then, you know, it kind of submerges under all of the woe and the woe and the, and the stuff. And then suddenly in the midst of it, it rises again. Rejoice, O heavens, and worthy is the Lamb who is slain and so on and so forth. So the, the entire revelation, if you will, of Jesus for us is exactly this. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and particularly in times of stress and struggle and darkness or defeat or whatever, we need to be able to catch our breath again in the same way that the resurrection is a catching of a breath that has overcome. And we need to catch our breath again. There's another scripture that shows us how the Lord comes and however oppressed or depressed or negative you may be feeling or that atmosphere around you. Recognize the atmosphere and take authority over it. Psalm 30, verse 11 and 12 says, this, Thou, Lord, has turned my mourning into dancing. How about that? From mourning to dancing. Say dancing. Dancing. You have put off my sackcloth. That's what 
if you were in mourning in the ancient customs, you would be wearing sackcloth. And fasting. And fasting. Um, For grief so, and loss and all of that. Yeah. And so, and clothe me, you'd put off my sackcloth and clothe me with gladness. Say gladness. Gladness. Smile. Smile at smile someone. Say gladness. Gladness. Yeah. <laughs> to the end that my glory, wow. when in this context, when the Bible talks about my glory, it's my tongue, may sing praise to you. I will not be silent, O Lord. I'll give thanks to you forever. So, yeah. the Lord is he, and that's part of I would say, I point out to some of the Israelis often, though they are very sensitive and I'm grateful that a lot of them, they really honor the Lord and part of the mistake, I think, some of them. So what happened on October 17th? It was a Sabbath day and so lots had to be taking a Sabbath. So they wouldn't go riding around or be out there. They have to take the Sabbath. And it's in that time frame that those evildoers and terrorists attacked. But the Lord says, I am turning your mourning into dancing. I'm putting off your sackcloth. And I will sing to you, O Lord, with joy, thanking you for this thing that's happening at this present time, the Lord himself is watching over this. And so it's an important, these last several days, it's important for us to be aware of what's happening and be in prayer, in triumphant prayer, declaring the power of the Lord, the authority of the Lord, and the glory that's in the name of Jesus, and loose that over us, over the Judeo-Christian civilization, and over Israel. But I, I when I heard those thousands of um, Islamic radical voices that were encouraging even our students in places like Harvard and Stanford, um, I heard, by the way, that... Uh, I think it's Vanderbilt University, but I'd not heard of her name before. Uh, for a long time, Condoleezza Rice, who used to be Secretary of State. The, some of the main supporters of the universities, I believe, in Vanderbilt. But she had a gathering of 400 of the chief donors and all, and she talked, and you know, what we are sharing today, that have clarity and do not let the darkness try to define us here. We are for Israel. We are for Jesus. We are for the Word of God. And the Lord is turning our mourning into dancing for us. Uh, and the Lord, I would underline this, that the Lord is the source of our joy. No one else can give us joy like Him. So, 
It says in Psalm 16, verse 11, In your presence, O Lord, is fullness of joy. Say, fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. In your presence. In your presence. Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. And we drink in by faith. Drink in joy. Joy, joy. So you can, when you lay hands, or when you talk with your children, or whoever you are talking to, give them encouragement in the in the joy of the Lord. Let them receive strength. Because this is a time where the Lord is activating some of these things. By the way, I saw some of the visuals of the Israeli army. And whenever they have a little mm-hmm. bit of a break or they are stopped and yeah. they are not moving, they will all get out. Yeah. And dance and sing. Have you, did yeah. you notice that? Yeah. They were dancing and they were singing. And I said, praise God, that's what. That was turned my morning it's the into biblical dancing strategy. Amen. And the brain science, which you know this, but just a reminder, the brain science is that with smiling, with grinning, your body actually releases the dopamine, the endorphins, the serotonin that make you feel good. And that's why, I mean, it changes your muscular, your, the oxygen in your blood, and all of those things. Chemically, you can, I was going to say drug yourself. Well, I guess you could say that. <laughs> you, you can take the natural drugs that God has built into the human being. By grinning and smiling. And it's interesting because the last week or so, on several occasions, when the Lord has given me a word of encouragement for someone, I have found myself, and I was just reflecting, including last night, uh, Armin and Cindy and Bonnie Evans, Kimberly Cole, some of us went down to minister at the tent revival in Camden. We had a wonderful time, but um, including last night, but I've... I've heard myself telling people the first thing you do when you get up in the morning, look in the mirror and smile at yourself. Make yourself smile and begin to make it an exercise where you go through the uncomfortable thing of looking at yourself and smiling and being happy. And, and you know, your first reaction will be, and then it will be, you'll find it so ridiculous that you'll actually be laughing at yourself eventually. But it's taking the natural drugs that God has built into our body for this reason, in order to be strong, especially in times of depletion, in times of war. It's very important. It's very important. Um, and, you know, Pastor, thinking about what you said about the scripture, even the things that you read, that psalm is the, the revelation of the eternal hope that we have because it as it ends I will sing forever. And so again it's linking us to the true story that we have. And story is very important. It's one of the reasons we see these masses of kids adrift today. It's because in our universities we have cut them off and allowed them to be cut off from the true heroic narrative of this nation. And instead, it's been replaced by the victim, victimizer, the oppressed, the oppressor, uh, you know, ideology and praxis that is completely Marxist. And, um, 
yeah, I, I can't help but whenever I see these protests of these things, like, like we're seeing all over, I think again of, of one of the dark and hideous poems that Karl Marx wrote when he was young that really became the mantra of his entire life, of, you know, of, of his, uh, entire theology. And it, it's this story um, where he envisions himself as this rebellion against heaven, a rebel against heaven and God. He literally says in there, I'll make my throne higher than God, so on and so forth. And it's terribly dark. And he, he envisions himself by his word, by his philosophy, marching through the kingdoms of the world and bring them to, bringing them to complete ruin. And the end of it, he says, you see this sword? Satan sold it to me. And, I mean, it's, it, it's hideous. The Marxist theology, if they were brave enough to actually tell the story of Marxism, no one would follow it. It stands in opposition to any of the narratives like the Jewish history narrative or the American history narrative, even the, the British uh, history narrative. There is a true story that is there that is true. And that is in opposition to the ideas that tested again and again and again have no story except destruction, have no story except slavery, have no story except poverty, have no story except oppression. And that stands in stark contrast to our story, our Jesus story. It stands in stark contrast to our American story. It stands in stark contrast to the Western civilization story because it was the Roman roads in the time of the Roman Empire going right into Daniel's vision of the world empires and the, the coming of the gospel. And the Roman roads that were there gave opportunity for this gospel to spread into the world. And it was that vine, that root, that seed that gave the foundations of Western civilization that began to rise up that has brought us all the way into blessing and stark contrast to this other evil, dark philosophy and theology. So we have a story. And I want to add this at this time, though, that talking about the United States, that uh, Victor Davis Hanson, I don't know whether some of you may have read his stuff, Victor Davis Hanson, he's a conservative scholar, brilliant. Farmer. And farmer, too. He has written several books. Just, and he says, and I really... I got really encouraged, and he said, Americans are very gracious, and they have been over the last few decades. We have welcomed all kinds of refugees, and some from the Islamic nations, and some are really radical. And so they have been demonstrating and extolling the virtues of the, I would, 
Hamas in a sense. Many of them are inadvertent and ignorant. And many of them advertent and not ignorant. Exactly. But he said, he pointed out something that I felt I got encouraged in that it confirmed something that the American people will take it and take it and take it to a certain degree. And they will say at a certain time, "Uh uh-uh, you are not going to get away with that. It happened in December 1941, where Pearl Harbor took place. And even though the United States were living, trying to live in peace, at that time the Japanese Empire attacked and took but nearly 3,000 lives at that time of American lives. And suddenly the nation of America stood up and said, no more. We're not going to let you, let you get away with that. We will get in action. And at this time, as they are fabricating all kinds of lies about Israel, etc. And extolling Hamas and their evil deeds. It's like there is something rising up in the American psyche. Now, I just want to be as an observer and say, I believe there is a turnaround. And that Americans are going to say to a lot of these shouts of demonstrations that are pro-Palestinian and pro-Hamas. This is horrible. We are not going to praise these kind of situations. And we're going to stand with Israel. We're going to st- and as far as I can see, we're going to stand with the Word of God and the Gospel and the message in Scripture tells us, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. He that keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. So, you're going to see the coming days. This is more a prophetic and an observation from Scripture. That the Lord, let God arise, let His enemies be scattered. Above all, let God arise, let His enemies be scattered. And we are there praising the name of the Lord. We are there as much as possible, whatever we can do to support Israel and where our nation can stand in friendship with Israel, with the IDF, that we want to be do all we can and our voices will be raised to say, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And anyone who attacks this land where Jesus is going to come back, and rule from there. That is an enemy of Israel and of Jerusalem. So it is an important season for us to be clear where we are at. What is the word of God telling us? And of course we exercise compassion on the poor, the hurting. But from all I've heard from all the Israel, all the armies of the world 
Israeli army has been the monks, conscientious, trying to do war, but at the same time, do it with conscience and with care for us to not hurt anyone who is innocent or civilian. And yet at the same time, like the Prime Minister of Israel said, we are at war. Like FDR in 1941 said, reluctantly, they have bombed America and Pearl Harbor and we are at war. So I can understand why Netanyahu had to be in that place where he had to declare these guys cannot keep on getting away with this kind of evil deeds. We will stand against the powers of darkness. May they say, in the name of Jesus, may the enemies of Israel be defeated and smashed. And on a practical note, as we have walked together these many years, we, we learn the counsel of the Lord often as we pray together in the watch. And on Friday night, the Lord spoke to us very prophetically and very supernaturally with a symbol that is in scripture about uh, what's called the casting of the shoe. And basically, it's referring to what Deuteronomy 11 says, where it says, every place the sole of your foot trods, I will give it to you, says the Lord. And we find that symbol of of taking possession or having occupation of the inheritance, the territory that God has given to us, combined with the marriage covenant. These are all the imagery, the true narrative of our redemption story with the Lord. But the Lord instructed us in the watch on Friday not to be afraid or reluctant or presumptuous in our prayers. And it's why we're encouraging everyone to aggressively pray in the spirit, not just about these events, but about everything right now. Really aggressively pray in the spirit and then wait for the words or the understanding that the Lord actually gives prophetically in the moment. But one of the things that we understood is that it's, he said, this came through a, a beautiful combination of impressions from Rich and from Katie and from Armand and then uh, myself all combined together. Um, and ultimately, Katie had this this scene from Rich's prayer in Isaiah 64 about rend the heavens, Lord, and come down and show us your face, show us your glory, bring your redemption. And Katie had a vision of this waterfall of shoes coming through that rent in the heavens. But the Lord gave us wisdom that in the watch, he wasn't necessarily just saying, you know, go out there and start praying about Jordan and Egypt and the land and blah, blah, blah. But actually, the interpretation of it was starting at a very personal level, that the authority of heaven to take possession and complete occupation of the inheritance God has given you, Christian, you intercessor, where your foot treads, that's your jurisdiction, and heaven's authority is behind you. And I even suggested, and I know I did it, that you might want to put a shoe outside your door 
just as your own little reminder. This is my inheritance. This is my possession. No enemy can come here. Not of any kind. And in a wider way, in a harmony about our locale, our cities, uh, our region, so on and so forth. And then I'll just end with this. Last night, I had a dream that my little grandson came running through my front door and he was barefooted. And I didn't think much of it until I got up this morning and I said, the Lord is saying, Bonnie, this battle and this call to prayer is not about you or your generation. It is about him and his generation. And they have no protection. They're barefoot, if you will. We have to wear those shoes and take possession of the inheritance God has given us, including in our nation, for their sake. Because they are the ones at risk, totally vulnerable. I felt like it was a real confirmation and a word from the Lord. And I'm standing up and standing in the broken down place and laying hold of the authority of heaven. And the first place of battle The Bible says it, spiritual weapons with great power is our prayer life and specifically praying in the spirit. So I hope that is an encouragement for you. I know it certainly is for me. And Maybe it's a hint that for (laughs) Christmas you can buy him a pair of shoes. That could possibly be. No, if you're wondering what what can I buy my grandkids and all that, that would be a hint. I'm not telling you you have to do it. The other thing is, in Nehemiah and Ezra saying to the people, you know, drink the sweet, eat the food. Um, I wanted to tell you that we are going to, Yeah. Michael is going to share that too, but we're going to have a Thanksgiving meal yeah. next good. Sunday. Um. I like queso, by the way, if you're wondering, (laughs) praying. And, uh, yeah, uh, I like different, you know, sweets. Yeah. They're good. Pastries. Yeah. um, Good spicy meat. Eat eat the food, right? Uh, So, anyway, but the thing is, We are making ourselves ready also as Halloween is gone. (laughs) Now, I feel it's a release for us to put up our Christmas trees. (laughs) And Christmas is all about joy. Joy to the world. Amen. The The Lord Lord is come. come. Yeah, and Let go- earth receive her king. Amen. Yeah. And it's all about joy. The angels declare with joy. Mm-hmm. And the shepherds are told to rejoice. So it's a great occasion. I'm glad. And for us, as a people, as a nation, as believers, we rejoice in the Lord. And rejoice in the Lord of our, our salvation. So, 
Hark the herald angels sing. It's a, the, the, it's a singing. It's good. Dancing. Yeah. Because uh, the Lord Karabash is born. And woe to the enemies of Israel. Jesus. They're going to be smashed. May the <laughs> Lord smash and destroy every Amen. power of the enemy that we want to say. It says in Isaiah 61, I'll give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. So he's making you beautiful. So when you see in the mirror, you can say, (laughs) the the Lord's making you beautiful. Beauty for ashes. That's good. The oil of joy. Yeah, you go. Say the oil of joy. The oil of joy. Instead of mourning. Yeah, instead of mourning. Amen. And Habakkuk, Habakkuk 3. Though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine. And frankly, those are two prophetic symbols of both Israel and the church. So once again, we continue back to the true narrative of Scripture. And God has embraced us into his redemption story. Uh, Though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, Israel, the church, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And we do rejoice because we had some amazing testimonies. One of them, we have Katie in our midst. And we're so thankful. Katie got a good report and her body is responding in a different kind of strength. Katie, do you want to, do you want to say anything? Rich, do you want to say anything? I know when Mahesh started, sorry, Pastor Mahesh started talking about eating that, you know, the anointing was suddenly coming on you. So I thought maybe we'd give you an opportunity. <laughs> well, that's part of my testimony. I'd love to eat again. <laughs> I, I'm hungry again. Oh, I want to eat again. You, so, Lord. And I've gained weight. So glory to God. It's, it's wonderful. Um, yes, I um, actually had a real breakthrough last week um, right after the conference I um, was sharing with Leah this morning that um, one of the difficulties of this last two years in this battle is praying is very difficult for me. And believe it or not, even praying in the spirit, I either fall asleep or I get distracted and, um, you know, reading the word and saying the word. All of those things have been very hard because it's like my mind is disconnected from my spirit or something from all the side effects and from battle and cancer. And so, um, but I remember um, Pastor Mahesh has always said to pray in the spirit. So I was determined to do it. And then Barbara Yoder talked about praying in the spirit more at conference. And she said that I pray in the spirit and sometimes the presence of God comes. It's wonderful. Other times, nothing happens. And I went, that's true. So I can do that. Well, I tend to wake up at 3 or 4 in the morning. And so I had determined that I was when I was going to pray in the Spirit. Even if I did fall back asleep, I was going to. And one morning I was praying in the Spirit, and the Lord gave me a phrase from Psalm 83. And it's a warfare psalm for Israel that I have used over the years but hadn't since I've been so ill. And so I started to declare it for Israel 
And all of a sudden I went into, it was like I had a breakthrough in tongues, this warfare tongues that came up and I just began to weep and just to cry out to God in tongues for Israel. And right after that, I had a physical breakthrough for myself and I saw the connection we have in the awful warfare and terrorist attacks that I've been under <laughs> is what has happened to Israel. It happens to all of us, you know, whether it's your health, your finances, your family, whatever. But as we press through, the Lord says, now. And so since that time, I've been getting stronger. The side effects are going away. I mean, it is absolutely Thank glorious. You, so I had, didn't have scans this time, but I did have labs and an appointment with my oncologist, who is very, very stoic and very serious. And he rarely smiles. Once in a while, he says something funny. But that's got to be an awful job. Would you want to be an oncologist dealing with people like me that have one of the worst cancers that's out there day in, day out? So I was able to go in and tell him, well, this has happened. I'm hungry again. I've regained nine pounds. My mind is clear. I can think again. I'm cooking again, which I love to do. And he couldn't stop smiling. He had this, and my labs were perfect. My labs have been a big mess, especially since this summer with the septic shock. He said they couldn't be more perfect. All of the labs are perfect. And so I told him, I said, I know you told me that a third of people with a type of melanoma that I have, my, if they tolerate treatment, which I've had a hard time tolerating it, could live five years. And I said, well, I've decided that I'm going to be the one of those people that lives more than 20 years. Because <laughs> that's what I've been asking the Lord is that Hezekiah got 15 more years. Well, I need at least 20 more years for to finish my walk on on earth and he got this big grin and he said that is a great plan now normally he would never say something like this because if i contradict any scientific thing that he says he immediately cried he had this big grin and i said i'm gonna grin i said and i'm gonna dance again that's what i want to do is dance again he oh, said yeah. that's another good plan yeah. so I just praise God, and I am so thankful for this place and your faithfulness. And then one other testimony. I didn't mean to go on this long. It's right. But it's very exciting. There's a whole lot more to it. So if you ever get my uh, attention, I will tell you more and more. But um, one of the things that I have battled since the very first um, surgery was removed a bunch of lymph nodes. So I have um, been diagnosed with lymphedema, which is very disabling. And um, I have um, exercise, all the things to do, and the compression stockings and this pump. But insurance doesn't pay a penny for any supplies. It's one of those just lapses. And I had no idea how disabling lymph, lymphedema was. So what I really need is the Cadillac version of the pump. But it costs $5,500 as like... That is just not in the budget, you know, so how can I make this one work and, you know, make sure I'm faithful to exercises. And this gracious, wonderful person found out about that need 
and has paid for me to get that that pump. So that's my other prayer. And this is all since the, just this last couple of weeks with this breakthrough. And I just want to say, if this is happening for me, we are in this together. I don't care where the terrorist attacks have come in your life. I am telling you, the Lord God of Israel has arisen just like he has arisen on Israel's behalf, he has arisen for each one of you. And for those of you who are watching on the Internet, I have done that most of the time the last two years. And I'm so grateful for it. But I want to tell you, he is present with you. You are not alone. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. And he sees if your brain doesn't work. I mean, that has been a difficult time for me. And he's restoring that. And I know right now my voice is going, but he's restoring my voice. He's restoring my appetite. He's restoring. I am even able to tolerate the medicines that I had a terrible time with last time I was on them and had to go back on them. I, I told him I'm tolerating them now. It is just, it's just amazing. It's all glory to God. And to thank you all. For your prayers and stand and your generosity, because so many people here have donated, so that that I can pursue this treatment, pursue, overtake, recover all. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. Yes. Say double. double, because also this week we have been praying with Peter Jagu. And one of the pieces of the story around Peter's um, confrontation with cancer is that months and months ago, Gabby and Anders decided they were entering in with absolute faith that Peter was going to be cancer-free. And you may or may not know, but for many months, they have been calling at 5 o'clock in the evening from Germany at 5 o'clock in the evening, our time, and praying and taking communion together with Peter and Carol every day for many, many months. And it's one of the beautiful things that we so appreciate about this family, about your heart, the way you do things, and about Anders and Gabby. And this week, Peter is just halfway through this course of chemo that they've prescribed for him with, you know, all kinds of negative prognosis and this and that and something else. He's halfway through. And this week, his test came back. He is in complete remission of the lymphoma. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Rich, did you, did you have any, have any additional thoughts or comments, uh, in, in this moment, in this time? Yeah, I want to just really quickly um, add to the reality of supernatural provision. Because the Lord has spoken to us in the watch three, four months ago now about getting our house in order and finances. And Diana had ended that watch with God's able to make all grace abound in provision at Corinthians. So um, on October the 2nd, I got laid off very surprisingly and out of the blue. I'd had two very good months at work. And on October the 2nd, I, I woke up in the morning and I've, I felt the Lord say it's going to be a good day. And then at 11 o'clock, our CFO had sent an invite out for a quick meeting and I didn't read the invite. I thought the whole company were on it. And then when I showed up at the meeting, 
There's only like 20 people on this invite and everyone's looking very somber on the, on the Google Meet visual meeting. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. And then out of the blue, the CFO, CFO just said, you lot are laid off, blah, blah, blah. And I felt really good about it, actually. I was shocked because in the nap, my numbers have been pretty good. Now I'm in sales and the numbers have been really strong for August and September. Actually, Pastor prayed for me. I'd had a few slow months, but August and September were very strong. Um, so I felt fine about it. I felt peace about it. They sent us um, the severance package numbers that they were going to pay us and commissions that we wrote. And I thought, that's very generous. I think they're looking after me, and I felt good about that. But um, on, trying to get my days right, on Thursday night, Thursday I think it was, I checked my bank account and I saw this quite large deposit in there. I thought, where is that from? Because I know my numbers, I know what's coming in on the severance. And I looked and it was from my company. So I go into the little HR website that I still have access to to look at my paychecks. Um, And there's this amount in there for three times what they said they were going to pay me. This exact thing happened at another layoff I had four and a half years ago. They paid me a severance and they added to it and gave me no explanation why. So I'm debating with my wife and, you know, I I had a moral dilemma because I'm thinking, do I just, if it's a mistake, and they have made a few mistakes on commissions in the past, if it's a mistake, do I just leave it and take it? Like, stuff you, you laid me off, I'm going to have it even if it's a mistake. Or do I email them and be honest? And I just, I just would rather be clean about it, you know. So I emailed them and they emailed me back and just said, no, this is absolutely correct. And it's not just for me, it's for everyone else who was laid off. But I receive it as the favor of the Lord, was that we're paying you all this extra commission was three times the amount they'd put in writing as a goodwill gesture for an involuntary layoff. So I just want to encourage you, as Katie has said, that provision for that pump, this is for us as a body, and I feel an encouragement, stay faithful and disciplined with the tithe and the offer into the local church storehouse. This is a key for these types of all grace being made to abound for our provision. Even if you look at your numbers at the month and think, I can't afford to tithe an offer, and it doesn't make sense in the natural, you can't afford not to tithe an offer. Because the Lord will multiply it supernaturally. So, And another door is open for me, which I believe the wind of God is on for a season to come. So I'm very, I'm feeling really, really great. I really feel good that they laid me off. I blessed that company. They provided and and employed me for four and a half years, especially through COVID. So I just want to thank God and impart supernatural provision. Man. Yeah, yeah, I just, honestly, this, this is supernatural. The Lord warned us in the watch three, four months ago, get our house in order financially. So I just want to impart that. And I just want to, you know, in Philippians 1, Paul is talking about giving in the context of giving. May God who begun a good work complete it to the day of Christ. That any challenge in finances and you're just struggling to give struggling to tithe an offer 
And that's okay. If it's time, you think, I can't afford to do it. The, the grace of the Holy Put your hand in, on your inner man here. The, the grace of the Holy Spirit would do a work in your heart. You have that faith to say, I'm going to tithe an offer, even if I don't think I can afford to do it. And I would encourage you to tithe an offer on your gross income. So you honor the Lord before the IRS. I feel that is really practical. May the Lord do a work and you will get in the discipline of tithing and offering and seeing the Lord work the miracles in unexpected... Because money goes somewhere. There's been all this printing and borrowing of money in the last whatever years. It does not disappear money. It goes somewhere. So may it come to the saints in Jesus' name. That's excellent. Let's say this together. This is uh, from Psalm 85. It's a beautiful psalm. It's very timely. But at the end, it simply says, Yea, Lord. Say, Yea, Lord. Give what is good. Give what is good. Our land will yield increase. Can you say that again? Our land will yield increase. Righteousness will go before him, and he will make his footsteps our pathway. Say increase. Amen. Amen. Michael, I want to encourage you. Um, the last few weeks, there is a fresh grace on the authority and the melody in your voice. And we thank you for using that gift so strenuously and faithfully for us. I mean, we're going on 20-something years here, 23 years of you using that tool that God has given you as a real vehicle of service to the Lord and a strength for us and all of that. But in the last few weeks... Every time you start singing, it's funny, my ears pick up and I suddenly see you, of all things, in the office of the cantors in the whole Jewish synagogue scenario. And whatever that means, I just, we want to say a yes and amen and a blessing and a fresh strength and authority on your voice and on the river out of which your inspiration springs. So we bless you and welcome that river to spring forth all the more in all the more liberty and prophetic clarity and authority. And once again, I want to say there is something particular, an increase for your sons and for your daughter of being able to be in this house, to grow up in a place where they're seeing their father in purity and faithfulness and increase of authority and wisdom serving the Lord with a full face and a full a free conscience and so we bless your household we bless Mary we bless your children and we make a declaration that this root is for not just a double but a triple and quadruple increase for your whole family legacy so we bless you Michael and we thank you for serving us so faithfully Amen So Isaiah 61 says this. 
And let's get ready to offer, give our tithes and offerings. As I read this to you in Habakkuk chapter 3. Though the fig tree may not blossom, but the, no fruit beyond the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail, the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, there will be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Because the Lord turns it around and blesses. The Lord God is my strength. He'll make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me walk on my high places or high hills. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's get ready. You have a basket here. Let's sow our tithes and our offerings. And for those listening to us on the web, we say, go to give, say, giveallnationschurch.us. And I think there is that funny emblem. QR code. QR code. I cannot discern it. All kinds of squares and all that, but I think that means all nations church dot us. Amen. I'm just joking. But it's a delight. So glad we can sow. And uh so Amen. Enjoy. Are you here? Where there you are. Joy, if you will bless the bread. And Richie, you'll bless the cup, if you will. All right? And come on up and sow your offerings, please.